Hi again and welcome back to Molecule 2 Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector. I'm your host, Roman Segal, and in today's episode, I'll be talking about the pharma and biotech supply chain with Hinal Shah, who is Life Science Lab Practice Head at Cognizant for Europe. Um, I really enjoyed my conversation with Hinal today. She was kind enough to paint a bit of a picture of how technology is implementing and evolving within the sector right now. So she not only does a great job of painting a picture of what that looks like today, but also what it's going to look like in the future. Uh, no surprise that I asked her all the types of questions that I hope you would want to ask and might not get the opportunity. And that includes uh, Hinal decoding what is meant by digital transformation and what it actually looks like for pharma companies and in CDMOs, for example, from the from the perspective of manufacturing uh, in labs, we get into a great discussion about state of the art smart factories and labs of the future, and it's really quite insightful to listen out for what that looks like. And we get into an interesting discussion about the role of humans with all this technology in terms of you know VR and. Uh, machine learning and artificial intelligence, all those types of buzzwords that you see, but where humans will add value from an intelligence perspective on on that journey. Some of the projects uh, she's been involved with have involved obviously taking companies from quite manual, I suppose, labor-intensive ways of doing things into more automated ways of doing things. And Hinal, again, is kind enough to share some of the success stories and how digitization has been adopted by uh, pharma companies and CDMOs in particular and some of the kind of cultural transformation challenges that come with that journey. And towards the back end, um, my very, very prepared guest also had at hand uh, four key trends that are driving the sector both now and in the future. I'd love to tell you what they are, but you're going to have to listen out for what those are, but I guarantee you will take them into your business really really fun episode with a lovely lovely lady um so just for background Hinal is the head of the european lab center of excellence practice within life science manufacturing group at cognizant holding a degree a management degree in marketing she has more than 20 years of experience in multiple sectors but primarily in life sciences delivery uh, Hinal has led the life science quality engineering and assurance practice for more than a decade within Cognizant UK and Ireland in the capacity of GXP validation, testing and compliance SME across the life sciences value chain, which includes discovery, R&D, manufacturing and pharma vigilance, basically all the areas that we cover on Molecule to Market. Thank you for listening. As always, we really appreciate the time you take to be with us and listening to the interviews that we are bringing uh, to your ears. A uh, quick reminder uh, to give us a nice kind rating on uh, your app store where you're listening to this episode, or even better, share this with a colleague or a contact that you think might really enjoy this episode. Thanks as always to my team for pulling together the podcast. And beyond that, please enjoy today's episode. Hey, Hinal, welcome to the show. 
Thank you, Raman. Very happy to be on the show. And thank you for this opportunity. The pleasure is mine. And uh, let's talk about your background and how you ended up getting into the life science space and, and, and ultimately to where you are today uh, with Cognizant. Well, it's a very interesting journey of 22 years now. Uh, have been in IT industry for more than 22 years, but in life sciences for about 17 years. I have worked in various industries across retail, insurance, trade finance, and a couple of uh, ERP uh, areas in manufacturing as well as travel and hospitality. But for the last 17 years, I have been with life sciences in diagnostics, in, in manufacturing, and uh, working with different customers in different roles, uh, right from delivery to strategic consulting to computer system validation to, you know, to, to implementation and, and digital cloud transformations as well. So I've been very fortunate to, uh, you know, work with so many clients and, and in, in life sciences, touching human lives and helping patients to live a better life. Excellent. Well, and, and talk us through your time with Cognizant and how your role has developed and in, in what does your kind of day job look like now? Yeah, so I've been with Cognizant uh, for almost 15 years now. Uh, I was hired in India, but I came to UK uh, more than a decade back. And, and I was hired for one of the clients' uh, delivery engagement. I was a delivery lead. But I moved on to a number of roles, uh, you know, strategic and delivery uh, roles, as I mentioned, in R&D and in manufacturing. And at the moment, I am the practice director for Lab Center of Excellence within Cognizant. And what I do on a day-to-day -day basis is help clients, you know, to solve their problems. So I, I help them with solutions as well as I help them to, you know, provide with some technological uh, digital transformation solutions, which will enable them to make better decisions as well as have data integrity and, uh, and ensure that all the regulatory aspects are met uh, through our solutions. Digital transformation. So that's a phrase that, that you said there. And I can guarantee we'll have listeners hearing your voice now thinking, okay, I've heard of digital transformation, but... I secretly don't really know what it means. <laughs> so talk us through digital transformation in terms of what what you see from a, a lab and, and manufacturing perspective. And, and I suppose you can make it as granular as possible in terms of the uh, kind of CDMOs and, and the pharma businesses that you, you typically work with. Yes. So I've been working with a lot of vaccines, CDMOs, CROs, biologics, biopharma. And one of the things that we normally see with, with all these clients is they have a lot of disparate systems, a lot of manual processes. Some of them are digital processes. So, for example, right from sample management, sample preparation, to sample testing, to sample reporting, to review and release. Some of these processes could be manual. Some of them are digital. But when I talk about digital transformation, what I mean is, you know, how can we bring uh, integrity and, and uh, integration between all these lab systems, whether it is LIMS, ELN, LES, uh, or, or uh, SDMS, you know, um, 
and and uh, since if you are from a life science background you would know you know what systems that i am talking about whether it is laboratory information management systems or even you know manufacturing systems like manufacturing execution system how can we integrate uh, you know the uh, r&d processes with manufacturing with uh, supply chain and and with any of these enterprise systems like sap and how do we ensure that whatever products are being manufactured by the pharma companies how are they quality controlled how are they you know uh, launched and and uh, in the market very quickly so from digital transformation perspective it's more end to end integration across all these systems and making sure that we are able to meet all the regulatory requirements from a, a gmp perspective right and and this is a very buzzword digital transformation could also mean in terms of data analytics where uh, you know um you have a lot of data in all these systems how do you uh, orchestrate this data how do you acquire this data how do you orchestrate how do you publish it in the form of visualization reports and how do you use this data for you know various business decisions or for predictability for example if i want to know uh, you know uh, uh, what instruments are available in the lab when are they going to be uh, ready for wear and tear or when do i have to replace them in a cro or where, what is the utilization of these instruments now these kind of data analytics or data reports would enable them to make decisions faster and procure any instruments if required or or make sure that the data which is available in these systems is integrated and and available at the right time and and to make you know quick business decisions rather than taking you know uh, months and months looking at the data from different systems you are looking at it at a very you know very structural way that's great i mean it i was jotting some notes down as you were speaking then and thank you for decoding some of the digital transformation piece there i think that's uh very useful for our listeners and you mentioned obviously data and i, I guarantee there'll be all this you know, listeners of of the podcast thinking okay i've got tons of data here and tons of data there and kind of you know where do we start and so talk me through the what you've seen in terms of adoption from pharma clients and, and cdmos uh, from a, a specifically from a qc lab say perspective like right? you know how how does it work right if you know these these clients in these labs are, are sat on all this data my assumption would be it's all a bit too overwhelming right and it's like they have no idea where to start so where do where do these businesses start and how do you guys kind of hold their hand and and, and walk them through that process right so what what we do is first of all we analyze obviously it's a very complex process it's not as easy because they have disparate systems and uh, you know different kinds of instruments like uh chromatography instruments spectrometers ph meters balancers and and many more uh, available in the market so all these instruments are for a particular purpose depending on what kind of labs they are whether it is for analytical lab or innovation lab or chemical lab or you know qc testing uh, labs for different products right whether it is for vaccines or drugs and and biosimilars etc based on that if these systems are, or if they have excel based processes manual processes or e log books then we help them to digitize these systems first of all 
And then since these systems are disparate and siloed uh, from R&D to manufacturing to labs and supply chain, you know, we try to first of all uh, integrate them between the instruments and these systems as much as possible, uh, depending on their digital roadmap and their uh, appetite to to accept and accept the change in the organization because this is a huge change from manual process to digital that's number one and since these systems have so much data we help to you know connect these systems like instruments for example with the software systems like LIMS, ELN, CDS orchestrate this data and uh, in the format that is required and then publish it in the form of say data analytics or in terms of data visualizations, data reports, data dashboards and, and this data is personalized for let's say lab managers or lab technicians or lab uh, administrators or, or site heads and based on their uh, needs you know the data is available to them so that they can uh, make you know specific uh, decisions and and they can accelerate the entire manufacturing process now let me give you an example like uh, a, a, a data uh, a lab manager would be very keen to know how efficiently his lab is being managed where are the bottlenecks how is he assigning the the uh, lab technicians are they idle are they utilized are the instruments utilized are they uh, you know, are they being uh, overutilized? When are they due for wear and tear? Now, all these questions can be answered in the form of the data analytics, which which will be produced, in, you know, and which will be available to the lab manager. And then he or she can take a decision, uh, you know, around all these questions and, and enable, uh, you know, faster product launch or a drug launch, right? And, and or or it could be a vaccine launch. Very useful to get that level of insight to see how it all works. And what what strikes me uh, as you talk is, I almost see two aspects. One is the, I suppose you, you talk about the complexity of analysing, collating, and then I love the way to use orchestrating. <laughs> it's bringing all this data together. That's kind of one thing where I'm guessing your technical experts do that. How do you guys manage or support with the cultural aspect because I imagine when you go into businesses you're dealing with I suppose the the inertia of this is this is the way we've always done things here you know paper-based systems etc using excel is that something you also support clients with I suppose of of uh, to use your word orchestrating or encouraging or nurturing that culture of of the, of using the data in a, in a meaningful way, if if that makes sense. Absolutely. I think a very good point that you've made, Raman. The data transformation or the data analytics is not just about the data. It's about how it impacts these, the people, the processes, and the technology, right? So we touch upon the cultural transformation, which is very important because obviously they are used to using, let's say, manual processes or e-log books or using a system in a particular way or using the data in a particular way. So what we do is we look at it from different ways. Obviously, there's a change management, organization change management that is you know required, which means we need to have some campaigns, 
some uh, you know workshops, some kind of interviews, and and to make them understand the new ways of working and how that's going to benefit them. What is the value that's going to bring to the to the business? You know whether it is in R and D or manufacturing or or tech transfer or or you know whether it's in in the entire end to end life cycle, right from R and D to end to end manufacturing and supply chain, right? So so we uh, try to uh, you know explain them the benefit the value benefit of of this whole data exchange and the data interoperability between this value chain and how that is enabling them to make better decisions which at the moment probably they are relying on uh, the data records which are either on paper or in somebody's head or in the system but not available to make quick decisions so that's number 1 number 2 it also uh changes the roles and responsibilities of the people so for example uh, when a lab manager goes to the technician and say can you tell me whether this instrument is working when did you do the wear and tear now that particular individual at the lab may not be able to answer that immediately he or she may have to go through the log book where they are maintaining the wear and tear etc but now that he he or she is getting uh the data uh, available you know from these systems is able to you know provide a quick response to his manager the manager is able to take quick decisions and he uh, you know the, the 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 staff or the lab technician is able to add more value to his role right and and he's not doing only the day to day job but trying to make sense of how this fits into the entire you know value chain right from r&d to manufacturing to supply chain fascinating i'm sure it's uh you've seen lots of kind of good and bad examples of <laughs> adopting the technology and you know obviously without naming names of a particular client what so let's say you guys implement a project like this for you know either a pharma business or a, a cdmo business what do you what do you typically see as the the long term benefits uh, you know beyond i suppose the automation and collation of the data and as with better intelligence but i suppose I, I, what i'm asking is i'd love you to paint a picture of what the after world looks like right what is the kind of rather than the before world which is very manual and messy and chaotic like what have you seen to say like here is a business that has actually adopted what we've you know helped them adopt and they are now getting x y and z benefits what what does that look like so lot of benefits right one is obviously the the whole point of qc testing is you know you have your products and you are doing sample testing which means you are able to release the batches of your drugs or vaccines very quickly right because you are doing qc testing somebody is reviewing it and you are able to do it quickly compared to manual process right because let's say it takes 4 days to review say 100 page document now it is all in the system and you can review uh you know the the the, the process very um, and you can have data integrity you have the audit trails so probably within couple of hours you can review and and you can release the batch which means your products are ready for launch so that's the very very big advantage and a benefit that the customers are getting number 2 because they are able to make better decisions they and they are able to get predictive analytics 
they are able to predict how the market is going to be what is the innovation uh, going to change because we see that the customer expectations are changing a lot in the current uh, times customers or the patients or or the uh, middle uh, you know the the middlemen uh, in in the pharma industry they are expecting their products to be quick reliable uh, they they want their products to be zero defect zero failure uh, and and uh, you know faster quicker cheaper right i mean these are the aspects that we see a lot so from that perspective we see that you know it's it's very fast uh, when when all these systems are integrated and they have access to data on on a on a finger uh, they are able to make decisions faster they have uh, quality as a competitive advantage which is very very important when they are when there's so much of competition going at the same time after covid we also realized that people want things very quickly right i mean whether it is patients or companies or customers the end customers so how do we use this data intelligently and and how can we uh, you know meet the customer expectations and and uh, uh, you know be at at the top compared to our competitors right that's how the quality has been uh, you know or our qc testing is is used by a lot of customers and and nowadays in fact the customers are thinking how can you release your products in real time rather than waiting for you know 3 months or 1 month or whatever time span uh, between the production and the qc testing and then launch they want to do very quickly so so they have started thinking about it and probably by 2030 we will see a lot of real time testing as well so these are some of the benefits that that we are seeing and we and we are seeing that the customers are expecting lot more than what they were expecting probably a couple of years back as as a result of uh, digital transformation and and data interoperability and data analytics you're listening to molecule to market where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space the way you describe it my reading of it is a lot of the type of work that you guys do and how you support customers in this space are almost taking legacy systems and changing them how does that compare versus new build outs of facilities and labs obviously the you know, last year was a huge year in terms of investment for example in the CDMO space where lots of new facilities and labs were being built all over the world particularly in in uh, the far east and asia as well as north america and europe is one better than the other as in is it is your job easier when there's a an element of standardization when you're building out new laboratories or is the majority of your work going back in and effectively undoing and redoing what already exists within within companies so we have different scenarios there are clients who already have laboratories and and smart factories Uh, or or factories, I would say at this point. Sorry to interrupt. What what does uh, talk to me about smart factories and <laughs> as well because I do. It's not a phrase I know. So and you can come back to that, like the difference between I suppose a facility and a smart facility. I'm sure people would really find that valuable. What facility or a smart factory is more of? How can we use the emerging technologies, right? Like AI, ML, metaverse, 
or any of these integrations between all the manufacturing systems the iot is very important as a part of a smart factory it's, it's a similar example like we have smart homes where everything is automated when you reach home you can you know even before you reach home you can start your refrigerator your lighting your food can be you know heated etc something similar could be visualized in a smart factory where you enter the smart factory you have a face recognition and then you know as a worker or as a staff member you enter in and there are robots going on for any repetitive tasks and there are so many digital systems which will be inter um, integrated and interoperable between various labs in the facility because you might have hundreds of labs r&d labs manufacturing labs analytical labs innovation labs etc and all these are talking to each other or you could imagine you have autonomous uh, self optimizing plug and play kind of you know systems instruments right now it i mean if it was not a smart factory it would have been very manual but but if you could imagine everything is like automatic a lot of automation and everything is interdependent on each other and and it gives you a state of the art kind of feel whether to an employee or to the customer or to the vendor who is visiting the factory and obviously you have a lot of data integrity which the regulators are seeing a lot uh, you don't have manual intervention or you have a minimum manual intervention which means your production is faster your launch is faster and your uh, you know your obviously your revenue you are able to sell quicker right based on the products that you are selling so smart factories are are a new ways and emerging you know ways of which the processes are reengineered they are more automated the products and services are providing end to end value to the to the customers basically it's incredible to you and just so i understand these the way you describe that smart factory these exist today or is that a bit of a is that you know in 5 years time 3 years time or the 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 factory you described there is that a, a real life example that you've got in your mind yes it does exist but at the moment we have two types of customers one obviously a lot of them i would say it's it's a dream a 2025 dream or 2030 dream where they have say partially smart factory you could say but not completely as we know the technology is evolving and advancing uh, so ai ml or or data analytics or whether it is metaverse or ar vr you know augmented reality virtual reality which is still not very mature how to use that technology and how can they do work remotely how can they efficiently have operations in what i mean by that is operationalization should be efficient it should be quick you know uh, it should be like a dream for the employees to come to such a factory and and somewhat like a star trek kind of a feeling right i mean that's that's the whole aim of of a smart factory so it's 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 a it's a dream for the workers or for the smart uh, for the factories or for the customers who are visiting even for the regulators who can see that a lot of things are automatic which means there are less human errors transcription errors and more of data integrity so they can rely on those processes and they can prove those 
product launches, right? Because as you know, in life sciences, we have approval at every phase in the entire life cycle. And the regulators are very keen and, and they are more focused at the moment on data integrity. And as we see more of automation, more of AI ML, there will be a lot more focus on how these technologies are helping the smart factories to be more efficient, more uh, productive, as well as cost effective, right? And data integrity uh, oriented uh, smart factories and smart labs. Fascinating stuff. And I really appreciate you kind of painting the picture for us. I suppose the uh, the, the count to this, and I can I can hear people thinking, well, virtual reality and machine learning and AI, and you mentioned obviously this is potentially a dream for employees, but there is a there is a slightly different take on this, which is oh god, all of all of our jobs are going to be taken by robots, and these factories are not going to need operators and lab technicians and and people. I'm giving the customers the extreme view of this, but presumably in what you do, there is an element of, you know, the technology replaces people where it can. Um, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. And what I mean by that is you know, the industry is massively struggling with recruitment and talent at the minute. So that's not a bad thing. But is that a fair observation or assumption that, you know, some of what you guys look to assist clients with will reduce the need for human capital to be to be there where it historically was? I, in fact, I think the human capital will be much more required, but they would do a value-added work rather than, you know, kind of doing any, uh, any repetitive tasks. So let me give you an example. If you have a tablet and you want to break it into powder, for example. So as a human, if you are a lab technician, what you do right now probably in the absence of robots, you are putting a, a tablet in a machine and the machine is uh, switched on. I'm, I'm taking a very simple example just to, you know, kind of correlate. Um, and, and this particular tablet is now uh, broken into powder. You kind of use that beaker or, or a container and then you put it in another container and that powder is then going through another process. Now, all this is done manually. Now, as a lab technician who is so well educated, who is probably a microbiology a student or a microbiology educated or, or a, a biology student or a, a, a PhD, wouldn't want to do these kind of tasks, right? So what these robotics are going to do is probably help them to do value-added tasks and leave the repetitive tasks of, you know, let's say breaking the, uh, take, going back to the example of taking the the pill uh, or a tablet into powder that can be managed by the robots, which is a very, very repetitive task, which can be carried on for 24 by 7, right? And and uh, the, the value-added task where the analysis has to be done, whether this, this particular powder has uh, a correct ingredients, what is the efficacy of this particular drug? Is it suitable for release? Those are the kind of things which which we would want to use the human capital for and not for the repetitive tasks, which does not add value to their career and, and life. So I would say it is definitely an augmentation of robots with the humans. And in fact, humans will be much more valued where, you know, for when the areas where robots cannot think 
and and cannot provide the diagnosis or or the analysis which is where the human intelligence would be very very important and and will be used very significantly in 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 future it's a terrific perspective and just kind of demonstrating the harmony that we could achieve when these two things work together um as opposed to just one replacing the other i know we've only got about 10 minutes or so left and you know i certainly want to get on to talking about trends and uh, you know the what the where the future lies um in terms of you know uh, 4.0 and some of the kind of key terms that we talk about for the lab but before we do that your background is in marketing and that's obviously a subject very close to my heart so i appreciate your role is now well beyond anything marketing specific but how have you how is your thinking around marketing in life sciences and in I suppose, you know, having a tech application that you're, you know, work in a specific vertical. I'd love you just to talk about some of the, the things that you've learned on that journey of, of almost being a specialist in a in an industry like the life science space. I think marketing is is not used as much as it should have been used in uh in life sciences. I think because it is so regulated and it touches patient lives, there's a lot of I mean all the governance is around regulations and marketing is only done as campaigns or in uh, sales and distribution life cycle uh, as a pharma value chain is what at least I feel not or probably in research and development while the clinical trials are going on and they want to invite the patients or the potential people who are going through some rare critical illnesses etc but i don't see a much of marketing you know applied uh, in 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 manufacturing etc uh, because of the regulations yeah I mean, obviously if only there was a specialist agency that uh, could help in that space but anyway that's a that's a conversation for a, for another day so <laughs> our, our sponsor of the podcast of course and when i was looking at your background there was something really interesting about you your education section on linkedin where you seem to be learning and doing something new constantly for so my question is is that a fair observation and if so where does that come from and, and why is that important to you absolutely fair observation i'm constantly learning i wake up at 5 a.m and then you know late nights i've been learning so i took about six certifications last year and in cloud as well as in test automation i'm constantly learning on the job and where it comes from i think i think our industry is evolving at such a pace that we cannot keep up with it and there is always a skill gap between what the customer Uh, expectation is and what the skills we have and and i think you made a point about the skill shortage in uk right i mean that is what i'm trying to uh, you know cope up and and see how can we learn and and i as a person i think i'm very keen to learn different aspects and different dimensions i'm a very curious person and always learning and and very happy to share information and and get into uh conversations group discussions or individual discussions and i think that keeps me alive and keeps me uh going in my career as well good for you and i'm i'm certainly 
grateful for that. And it, it's very similar to myself in terms of having a learning habit and just continuously growing as a person and, and sharing some of that knowledge, which is a lovely segue for our kind of final couple of questions, which is looking ahead into the future. Obviously, we've talked about you know your background and a bit about what you guys do now. So, you know, let's talk about uh, you know what does you know four point zero mean and that that term mean. But also talked about about trends that you expect to see in terms of QC labs and manufacturing and and how organisations are going to deal with these challenges. And obviously, from your vantage point, how technology is going to support and and take advantage of, of some of these trends. So, a very broad question for you to to go at around what the future looks like. Absolutely. So I think from the trends perspective, what we are seeing is there are four trends. Number one, as I said, uh, customers or the patients are expecting a lot and they want their products, the all the products, whether it is drugs, vaccines, very quickly. And we've seen that in COVID times, right, where the vaccines were released at such a short time. I, otherwise, it takes like, you know, maybe a decade, but we've seen that happening in the COVID times, right? And and they are using uh, advanced technologies, they are using innovations to, to, to bring the products faster to the patients and to the to the healthcare industry and, and, and on. So that's number one. Uh, number two, we are seeing a very, very much increased focus from the regulators on data integrity. And uh, because of that, there are lots and lots of audits happening at various sites, at the uh, at the manufacturing sites or at the corporates, right? That's the second very key trend that we are seeing. Number three, people, are, are the customers, I mean, are, when I say customers here, these are our pharma companies who are uh, uh, clients. They are looking to move away from paper-based processes to of paperless processes, which is digital transformation, and which comprises of, you know, lab informatics, lab data analytics, and lab robotics all together, and integration of all the systems from R&D to manufacturing uh, labs and supply chain, and then launching the products, right? End-to-end -end integration. That's number three. And number four, which is, again, very, very crucial, is around data. Uh, they want, uh, there's a wealth of data in these systems, instruments and, you know, in these systems. How can they bring this data to the business, to the IT and to the, to various stakeholders in terms of value, in terms of predictive decisions so that they can manufacture quickly, they can launch quickly and they can, you know, obviously, uh, you know, advance and improve the patient's lives because as we see the 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 the, um, the number of diseases and the number of uh um uh, uh dis i mean uh, the illnesses that we are seeing are increasing as well with the people's lifestyle uh and and the stress that we are going through so it's very important for the pharma companies to make sure that they are able to launch their drugs, vaccines quickly, at the same time, uh, safe uh, and uh, with zero defects, with zero failures, and, and they want to make sure that it, it is at a cheaper price as well. So these are some of the trends that we are seeing in the market and, and data is a key, uh, you know, 
data and quality are the key competitive advantage for all the pharma companies. I love that. I, I absolutely love the uh, the four trends that you were able to identify and share. I'm sure uh, our listeners are are jotting that down <laughs> or rewinding back to have a listen to to make sure they've got those four trends, which is really kind of you to to share. And I think the other question you mentioned what what does lab of the future mean? Again, it's it's more of you know. Uh, I mean, it will start from a, a journey where you have manual paper-based processes and, and you come up with a strategy to say, okay, which processes do I need to digitize and can I digitize? And do I have the appetite to digitize and will it be accepted by the regulators and do I have the funding, right? That's that's the number one. And, and then they will move on to the next phase of digital transformation where they, you integrate all the laboratory systems like laboratory information management system or electronic lab notebooks or scientific data management system or it could be chromatography data system or, or many 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 lab laboratory systems right how do you uh, integrate them uh, how do you uh, you know implement them as sim- you know as as single projects and then you integrate all of these with enterprise systems like say ERP or or even with manufacturing systems like MES or supply chain systems as well, right? And and then obviously once you have individual systems implemented, you would go to connected lab where you would connect all these systems. They would cohesively talk and all these will be digitized and you would have data integrity, chain of custody across the value chain as well as you would ensure that the uh, uh, the human intervention is the least, human errors are least, etc. And then comes the next phase where you would want to predict your uh, behaviors in the lab, whether it is you know instrument utilization or instrument you you know wear and tear, or whether it is your uh, when can you release your products, how how long is the uh, QC review going to take? Or uh, you know how uh, quickly can you uh, procure instruments? How quickly can you uh, do the job as a CDR, CRO or CDMO for your clients? Uh, and and various other examples, right? So you want predictability uh, using your data. You want to make sure that your processes are all standardized and and they are used uh, across the sites and globally within your organization in the same way with very minimal uh, configuration customization, right? And then comes the lab of the future where you would want to use your uh, new technologies like AI, ML, or AR, VR, or uh, uh, any of these metaverse, et cetera, et cetera. And, then, and I'm sure in the next five years, we'll have some more technologies, right? And a lot of these clients are at the moment uh, trying to move from uh, you know, their data center to cloud and then apply uh, all the cloud technology uh, benefits, uh, which would enable them to leverage the digital transformation benefits, as well as the, uh, you know, the smart lab uh, benefits that they can anticipate. But what we are seeing as a trend is what I am seeing is a lot of clients are still in the concept phase 
for la- smart labs and and more in the design phase a lot of discussions are happening uh, they are planning for 2020 and uh, because they know that they are not yet digitized completely there's a lot of inter uh, operability of data required across r&d manufacturing labs and supply chain which which is which is missing at this point in time with most with a lot of our clients that i've been working with that's great that's a huge amount of food for thought for people listening today's episode because i think what you've articulated is just some of the things that companies need to think about and some of the gaps that they should probably look to fill over the next five to ten years as we as you said you know the the, the industry continues to evolve and the trends are driving uh, i suppose the speed and use of data as well which is uh which is great and you know it's it's been lovely having this time with you today i'm so grateful for you to co- coming on and, and being a guest on molecule to market and, and sharing your your story and your insights and uh, your learnings with with our listener thank you very much roman and i'm really privileged and uh happy to talk to you and and uh, you know we will connect again thank you very much thank you hi again thanks for tuning in to today's show really hope you enjoyed the episode for more shows have a look on spotify apple or amazon wherever you like to listen and do make sure that you subscribe so the next episode comes direct to your device automatically and please get in touch via our website at molecule to market pod or via linkedin or twitter we love to hear from you so if you have a guest that you want to suggest or someone in your organization that you think would make a great guest on molecules market then please let us know we'll see you very soon listening to Molecule to Market, where we go inside the outsourcing space of the global drug development sector, the podcast for professionals working in the pharma and biotech contract services space. Molecule to Market is sponsored and funded by Remarketing, an international content, digital and design agency that helps companies get noticed, raise profile and generate leads in life sciences.